This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about unimportant subjects. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today we're going to talk about plant-based meat substitutes. On Thursday, September 26, 2019, McDonald's of Canada published a tweet that rocked me to my core. The tweet read as follows, quote, Meet the PLT, a delicious, juicy, plant-based burger that will be available for a limited time as a test at selected restaurants in southwestern Ontario, end quote. Now, you may be saying, what's the big deal? The big deal is this is McDonald's possibly my most beloved American institution, the creators of the Big Mac, the stewards of Grimace and the Hamburglar. But anyway, more than just emotional worth, McDonald's feeds so many people. Something to the tune of 68 million people a day are fed by McDonald's. They sell about 75 burgers a second. According to the Fiscal Times, Americans alone consume 1 billion pounds of beef at McDonald's in a year. That's five and a half million head of cattle. That's a tremendous amount of beef. And now, the fact that McDonald's is starting to sell a plant-based meat substitute burger is a huge deal. And it goes to show that these plant-based substitutes are here to stay, and not a fad like the Doritos Locos Tacos. And perhaps it symbolizes that what makes them stay is not so much the morality of plant-based burgers, but more so the profitability of them. Vegetarian diets have been around for a long time, and many cultures around the world have non-meat protein as part of their culinary heritage. For example, tofu, which isn't considered a meat substitute except for when it's introduced in the West, or falafel, which is an old Coptic meat substitute which is believed to have been invented to be eaten during Lent. Historically, most people ate vegetarian diets, and that's because meat was hard to come by. Meat was a delicacy. Meat was something that you save up for that normal people really couldn't get. In fact, some early civilizations measured wealth in livestock. Heads of cattle were a well-established unit of wealth. That's not true today. Meat is for the most part readily available in the 21st century. My beloved McDonald's will sell you a McDouble for $1.39, and that includes 23 grams of beef protein, the McDouble is arguably the greatest calorie per dollar ratio of any mass-produced food in the world, and not only that, but in the history of the world, but that's a whole other episode. But just think about that. Meat went from being incredibly rare for most of human history to in the last 75 years becoming so common and so cheap that we just can't get enough of it, mostly because it's delicious, and producing beef is not easy. Have you ever seen a cow in person? They're massive. It takes a lot of grass, or sadly corn, to feed them. And it takes an insane amount of water to grow that grass. And it takes a lot of land to grow that grass. Beef production has escalated to match our massive hunger for it, and it's wreaking havoc on the planet. It's a real problem that we should be proactive to take on. Enter plant-based meat substitutes. The first thing I ever ate that was presented to me as a meat substitute was a huge portobello mushroom that was supposed to be the meat in my veggie burger. If I closed my eyes and upped my delusion by 3000%, I could maybe consider it meat, 
The flavor was fine, but it definitely wasn't beef. It just wasn't. So when I finished that mushroom burger, I went to McDonald's and got a real McDouble. And that's the biggest challenge of plant-based meat substitutes. People love meat. We as a species have evolved to love meat because of how scarce it was and because of fat and all the good stuff we can get from it. And anything that's presented as meat and doesn't feel or taste or look like meat will for the most part be hated. There's two big companies that are doing the whole fake meat thing better than anyone, and I want to take a bit of time to highlight those two. They are Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Now, Beyond Meat came first. It was founded in California in 2009. The company makes vegan meat substitutes from a concoction of all kinds of plant-based stuff that frankly sounds a bit ridiculous. But here's what goes into Beyond Meat burger patties. They consist of pea protein isolates, rice protein, mung bean protein, which according to Creed Breton smells like death, canola oil, coconut oil, and then there's also potato starch, apple extract, sunflower lecithin, and pomegranate powder with additional vitamins and minerals. Beef products that bleed are achieved by you by being injected by beet juice. All of these ingredients, the coconut oil, the mung bean, the starch, the apple extract, the pomegranate, are all fed into a food extrusion machine. Think of it like a giant mold and a plate that cooks the mixture while forcing it through a machine that forms the texture for the Beyond Meat. So that sounds lovely, <laughs> right? Anyway, the Beyond Meat burger patty is called the Beast Burger, and it contains 23 grams of protein, or roughly one McDouble's worth of protein. Now, Beyond Meat's burger is actually the burger that McDonald's Canada will use in their PLT. So that kind of lets you know that at least McDonald's trusts it enough to actually go in a burger. Beyond Meat also makes chicken and sausage. The chicken particularly has become more popular recently as last month in August, the KFC in Atlanta sold Beyond Fried Chicken as popcorn chicken. And they sold out a typical week of popcorn chicken sold out in five hours in just one store. So... It was pretty popular. Beyond Meat is also a huge corporation. It's worth $11.7 billion, and it's traded on the NASDAQ exchange. One of its initial investors was Biz Stone, the Twitter guy, not Jack, the other Twitter guy. <laughs> so they're a pretty big deal, and they are worth a lot of money. The second company I want to highlight is Impossible Foods. It was funded two years after Beyond Meat in 2011, but it's also from California. And Impossible was funded by Stanford biochemistry professor Patrick Brown. He now goes by Pat Brown. Impossible Foods was funded with the goal of eliminating intensive animal farming, which Professor Brown considered to be the world's largest environmental problem. And Impossible Foods released their first meat substitute, the Impossible Burger, in 2016. And they claim that making their burger patty, the Impossible Burger Patty, uses 95% less land, 74% less water, it emits 87% less greenhouse gas than making ground beef burger patties from cows, which is, if true, really incredible. They also claim that the Impossible Burger has more protein, has no cholesterol, has less overall fat, and fewer calories. However, it has more sodium and more saturated fats. Now, they, since then, they've released the Impossible Burger 2.0, which everything else is true, except it has 
30% less sodium and 40% less saturated fats than the previous one. And it's also gluten-free. Now, the Impossible Burger has a clear biochemistry background considering its founder, so it's a little bit weirder than the Beyond Meat Burger when it comes to its ingredients, at least according to me. While the Beyond Meat patty has beet juice injections to make it look like it bleeds, the Impossible Burger style of bleeding is way stranger. The mad scientists at Impossible found that there is an iron complex in meat that affects how meat feels and behaves, and it's called heme, H-E-M-E. Heme occurs naturally in animal muscle tissue, but it's also found in all living organisms. And they zoned in on legumes. The plant-based heme is identical to the meat-based heme. So they produced a heme, which is the meat feel bleeding part of meat, from the root of soy plants. And the specific heme they focused on is called leghemoglobin. So that took me a while to learn, so I'm going to say it again, leghemoglobin. Now, to make leghemoglobin in large quantities, the company scientists genetically engineered a yeast and used a fermentation process similar to the brewing process used to make some types of beer. So instead of them having like a microbrewery for beer, the people at Impossible have like a brewery for bleeding protein substitute, which is really strange when you think about it. Uh, and the full ingredients of the Impossible Burger aren't any less weird. So they have an Impossible Burger consists of water, soy protein concentrate, coconut oil, sunflower oil, 2% or less of potato protein, methyl cellulose, yeast extract, cultured dextrose, food starch, modified soy leg hemoglobin, salt, soy protein isolate, mixed tocopherols, zinc, gluconate, thiamine, hydrochloride, sodium ascorbate, niacin, pyridoxine, hydrochloride, riboflavin, and vitamin B12. So that is a lot of ingredients as opposed to just beef, right? The Impossible Burger has frankly blown up. Hopdotty, which is like a burger joint around Texas, sells it. David Chang started serving it at Momofuku in New York in 2016, and this year, Burger King rolled out the Impossible Whopper nationwide. Impossible Foods is not public, but their worth is estimated to be somewhere around $2 billion. Now, I spoke about these two companies because both of these companies use chemistry and modern manufacturing methods to create weird mixtures that look and taste and feel like beef that can be eaten and it's supposed to be, if not better for us, at the very least helpful to the planet. And that's pretty impressive. Though, to be frank, it's kind of strange to me that huge corporations that are making so much money are thriving off what has traditionally been a, quote, tree hugger worldview. And a large reason why these are being adopted by huge corporations like McDonald's or KFC or Burger King are a large reason is in fact because of cost savings. Now, adding on to the strangeness of this whole industry, the world's largest beef company, JBSSA, which is a Brazilian company, has unveiled its first plant-based burger. These are the same people that are responsible for a lot of the deforestation of the Amazon. Now they're in on the plant-based substitute burger also. 
Nestle, the people who famously think water is not a basic right, also have their own plant-based burger. Tyson Foods, you know, the chicken people, are making their own plant-based meat substitute. The fact that all of these giants are jumping into this space makes me feel like maybe it won't be good for us. Maybe it's just more of a cash grab than anything else. Or maybe, and this makes me feel even stranger, capitalism is saving veganism. It's all very strange. And it makes me think that the solution maybe is one that's a bit more natural than squeezing powders and oils and mung beans through a hydraulic texturizing press. And it is that of cultured meat. Cultured meat is meat produced by in vitro cultivation instead of from slaughtering animals. It's also known as lab-grown meat or synthetic meat or clean meat. And unlike plant-based meat substitute, cultured meat is in fact meat. It's just beef. The ingredient list is beef. Except it's grown from cells and not ripped from a dead animal. I don't know about you, but that makes me a bit more comfortable than any leg hemoglobin ever has. And I just had to throw that word in there because it took me a while to learn it. Now, all that to say, as a McDonald's lover and a meat lover and a food lover, I actually kind of welcome the addition of plant-based meat substitutes. The current situation cannot hold. We can't keep eating beef at the same level because we're going to run out of places to grow cows. If slowing down my meat intakes allows me to actually have meat now and then and not destroy the planet, I'm all for it. Plus, the times I do have steak, it'll just be so much better. But frankly, the thought of impossible or beyond meat or any sort of chemical compound replacing something natural like meat to me, is a bit disturbing. And even though the intentions behind it are good and it stops the suffering of animals, the fact that Nestle is behind it also kind of makes me feel like I'm right to feel hesitant at adopting that as total meat replacement. In his book, In Defense of Food, An Eater's Manifesto, Michael Pollan talks about the rules for eating well. And the first one is eat food. What he means by that is look at the ingredients of anything that you eat. And if you see an, a list of more than five things and a bunch of chemicals that you don't recognize or something that doesn't grow in a garden, don't eat it because it's not food. It's chemicals. Now, as good as the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Burger are, it fails that first rule of in, of in defense of food that Michael Pollan has given us, the same guy that wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. And that's what makes me uncomfortable with it. Whatever ends up happening, if McDonald's of Canada ends up serving me a, a PLT Beyond Meat Burger, I will serve if called upon. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to share this with a friend. Um, if you had the Impossible Whopper and it was good, it wasn't, reach out to us at Instagram, Irrelevant Podcast, or on Twitter at Irrelevant Pub. We'll see you next time. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.